All right, here we go with another edition of the Russell Smith Podcast. Today on the pod, I'm talking to former Tennessee running back Jabari Davis. Now, Jabari was the subject of one of the most heated recruiting battles of the Philip Fulmer era. This is in the days before rivals in 247, four stars, five stars, and all that. But at the time, this was a real knockdown drag out between Tennessee and Georgia. And of course, he ended up choosing the volunteers. He's going to talk about that recruiting battle and how heated it got and some of the tensions that still linger to this day whenever he goes home to the state of Georgia. Jabari is probably best known for his time at Tennessee scoring a bunch of touchdowns against Florida. He ended up being 3-1 and against the Gators, including 2-0 and in the Swamp. And you'll hear him talk about what it was like to play against Florida and how heated that rivalry actually was. After his playing career, Ended, he ended up staying involved in the game, helping young football players and their parents navigate the world of high school football, summer camps, and college recruiting. Real stand-up guy with a passion to serve and a fun guy to talk to. Here's my conversation with Jabari Davis. All right, we're here with the J-Train. Jabari Davis, they call you Juice now. When when you're coming up, it was the (laughs) J-Train. When did the nickname switch? Man, the Juice stuff started with my running back coach at UT, Woody McCorvey. Uh, he nicknamed me Big Juicy, you know, and I thought that was crazy. I'm like, <laughs> wow, Big Juicy? For real? Like, man, just cut it short. Just call me Juice because I was a big running back. Uh-huh. I was the biggest running back that he had probably coached since Jamal, but I came in at like 235, six foot, and he was like, man, you, oh, you're just a big old, big, big juice ball and this and that or whatever, so – from my freshman year, it stuck, and um, everybody on the everybody on the team just started calling me Juice. I still have a lot of teammates that call me Train.H, uh, now I'm just known as Dad and Coach now. Yeah, so. <laughs> you, you had uh, you had a lot of nicknames back in the day. I mean, mm-hmm. you had one of the uh, one of the reasons I wanted to get you on was I mean, I just remember your recruitment was so intense between Tennessee and. And Georgia, and I want to hear some of those stories, but uh, just, you know, backing up, um, you're from Georgia, Tucker Mm -hmm. High School, Stone Mountain. Were you originally from that area? No, I'm from the city of Atlanta. You know, we ended up moving out in that area uh, when I was in middle school. And, um, you know, my dad had uh, changed jobs and we just wanted to get out of the inner city life and get to the suburb life for better schools, better opportunity. Uh, be around a lot more families. So we ended up moving in that area. And, uh, you know, everything has been a blessing since then, man. And uh, those are my roots. Um, you know, I consider Tennessee home now. I've been here – well, I moved back here in 2010. But it's always good to go back home, see family. Uh, just telling you earlier, you know, I have an older son that plays basketball there. So um, Georgia boy at heart, man. But Tennessee is where I'm doing my stuff now. Did you come from an athletic family? Yes, sir, man. Uh, my dad, believe it or not, was a uh, all-county basketball player. Okay. Uh, played some football for a little bit. My uncle was the football star in the family. Uh, I remember growing up looking in photo albums, seeing him, well, you know, seeing his uh, newspaper clippings and things like that. And I heard stories about other people that had passed away in their family when I was younger, that had a lot of success being athletes as well. And um, my dad is a twin. 
Okay. So my twin, so my dad's twin brother, uh, his son, which is you know my first cousin, Tristan Davis, was a star running back at Auburn uh, when the Irons brothers were running the ball. Uh, he got there. Um, I think Cadillac and Ronnie Brown's last year, 2004, um, played in the NFL for like three or four years. Okay. So, you know, we have set the standard in the family on the football field, you know, and we have little cousins that look up to us. And we have some, um, you know, some other family members and, and people that, hey, you know, if big cuz can do it, you know, we can do it. Yeah. Now, you're a, a- – Big running back, as you mm-hmm. said. Were you all? Were you a big kid? Was that size kind of always a, a thing for you? I was uh, a little bit, man. I would say I started developing my body around eighth grade. You know, I was tall, lanky. You know, I didn't have the you know the mass that I have now and the mass that I had on the football field until about high school. But uh, say eighth grade, man, started uh, lifting weights. Watching some videos of uh, you know some football players that played my position. I was a big Herschel Walker friend, uh, fan, a big Earl Campbell fan. I was a, a real student of the game at a young age. Uh-huh. And um, you know, I didn't, back then, you know, we didn't have access to YouTube and oh, all of <laughs> different that stuff. Uh, different but, time, huh? Yeah, but my granddaddy man had a ton of football tapes. You know, Pure Payton, Crunch Course, all the old uh, NFL films tapes man and i would just watch that stuff and watch those guys run the ball see how big their legs were and how big their shoulders and forearms were like i gotta get in the weight room i mean if i want to play this position and be successful and run people over i gotta work on my body so eighth grade i got a bench press uh set and start lifting weights and stuff and kind of built my frame up till i got to high school in high school i took it real serious you know stayed in the weight room did a lot of squats a lot of bench press next thing i knew I come into high school at 180 uh, my freshman year. My sophomore year, I'm 215, you know. Then I ran track just to keep up, uh, you know, just to keep my speed up with my body because I always wanted to run the ball. Yeah. So I ran track to kind of balance everything out, and, you know, the rest is history. So the the weight came on in a hurry. Did you play any other sports in high school, uh, track and football? I mean, believe it or not, man. I was a huge. I was a great baseball player. Okay, growing up, man, I thought baseball was going to be it. But by the time I uh, got to ninth grade, and I saw the track schedule and the baseball schedule was pretty much the same time, the same year during the spring. I was like, Golly, my passion is in football. I know I need to get faster if I want to run the ball. Baseball was just a past thing. It was. It was. It was cute. But it wasn't. Were you a Braves, I, Braves fan in, in oh, yeah, Atlanta? Man. Uh, who are your guys? Dion, Dion, and Karen. I have a signed autograph ball from Dion um, when he was with the Braves. Uh, Sid Bream, Otis Nixon, and um, da- what's his name? Dale? David Justice. No, no, not, not David Justice. Uh, Dale Murphy. Oh, yeah. Dale Murphy. My grandmother's. Uh, a boyfriend at the time sounds crazy, <laughs> but he used to work for the Atlanta Braves. Okay, so he would bring me on the field and uh, during warm ups and things like that. Oh, man, cool! Back at Old Fulton County, yeah, Fulton County, man. I'm from like a lot of people say they're from Atlanta. Uh huh. I'm from Atlanta. I know all about Fulton County, Northside Drive. My grandmother used to park cars. 
So she used to park yeah. cars across the street. So um, even some of the baseball players and football players knew her from the parking lot, and they would get stuff signed, and my dad would take me over. She would take me over and let me meet the players. I remember, you know, talking to David Justice, talking to Dion, wow. talking to Otis Nixon, all those guys when I was a kid because I had that access, you know, just through my family just to get over those gates. So that played a big, big, big part of my, you know, my passion and growing up and you know, want to be an athlete. Very cool. So you got uh, you get you get into high school and you start growing. You get into football real hard. You're lifting weights. You're taking it seriously. When did uh, I'm, I'm sure you dreamed of of taking it to the highest levels? But when did you start hearing from colleges and and realize that oh this um, is I'm going to play college football? Freshman year, um, my coach knew that I could be something special if I kept working and 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 I would just lived up to my potential. So we got my name out there a little early. Uh, I went to a lot of camps, like my freshman, sophomore year. That was the first year I came to Tennessee as a ninth grader. And uh, they had a uh, This would be late 90s or uh, something? This was 97. Okay. 97. Um, I came to a Tennessee football camp. And, you know, that's back in the day when they had Stucky and all those guys. Yeah. I think they had a speed and strength camp. And, um, you know, just learned a lot about Tennessee football and all the success of what they were doing. And um, went to a lot of camps, man, and just kept working, kept getting better. And my junior year, that's when uh, Georgia Tech gave me my first offer. Um, my junior year, I had already uh, had been ranked as a, uh, you know, top running back prospect in the state of Georgia went to a few camps and combines and things like that with other guys and just shot, you know, my stock up, you know, when I started running. Like, God, this kid is 220 pounds at 16, 17 years old yeah. and running a 4-5 laser, you know. And it was like, man, this kid, you know, this kid got some potential, man. He can be a big-time running back. Um, that's when uh, Jamie Newberg uh, from Border Wars and yeah. all the old Forrest Davis – this is like, uh, again, you know, you mentioned before um, Huddle yeah, and the yeah, Internet. Yeah, before all of that, man. They, well, it's before the five-star. Yeah, I don't yeah, think yeah. they had the star they system. They didn't have it. I mean, they had it. Forrest Davis had some stuff in his magazine, and uh, Jamie Newberg had his little thing like that he super did. Super Prep or Max yes, Prep. Super or, Prep. No Max Rivals prep. or 247. Uh, rivals had just started, but it okay. wasn't. Wasn't a big deal yeah, yet. Yeah, a big deal as it is, you know, now. But uh, that's when uh, Countdown to Signing Day, remember that show? Oh, yeah. Countdown to Signing Day, man. I, I was a kid watching that stuff like that. I want to be on that show. Uh -huh. One day, and, uh, you know, Jamie Newberg, of course I knew who Jamie Newberg was from watching the shows. He gave me a call one day. I was like, man, it's Jamie Newberg. <laughs> like, Jabari, yeah, man, we're going to do an article on you. I was like, wow, who you hearing from? Man, I want to put you in my top 20 running backs. Man, I love your film, this and that, and blah, blah, blah. And um, you know, he he brought me on the show, and he invited me to his combine. He had to count down the signing day combine, and he invited like the top twenty five uh, kids in the South at every position, and kids that performed really well at that combine, those would be like some of the top guys for his final list. From that day, man, you know, I went to that that combine, and I you know tested really well and ran well. 
dude, I came back home those like those next couple of days, and we, you know, that that was not even a social media era. It was just TV magazines and things like that. Man, I had a mailbox full of letters, you know, and um, you know that really helped get my name on a national stage because a lot of people knew about me and my recruitment just in the state of Georgia. Mm-hmm. But after those events and coming to those camps and once ESPN and Countdown to Signing Day and Jamie did his uh, his list, his top guys, my recruiting just shot up. You know, Tom Lemon as well. You know, he did stuff on me as well. And, you know, those two guys were pretty respectable in the recruiting world. You know, and if they say, you know, and if Tom Lemon says you're a stud, if Jamie Newberg said you're a stud – of oh, Forrest yeah. Davis or Super Prep Magazine, everybody in the country is going to come after you. And that's what really took my uh, name to the next level. So, and, and everybody does come after you. And, again, no uh, cell phones or anything. They're calling your house line. I'm sure they're blowing yeah, you up. Blowing me ton, up. ton of mail every single day. And uh, for a 16-, 17-year-old kid, mm-hmm. I'm you know, you're getting phone calls from – from Philip Fulmer, from Jim Donnan, from all the big time coaches. <laughs> <Jim Dunn is laughs> I ain't heard that that name in forever, man. <laughs> Jim Donnan, yep. Uh, you, I mean, you're you're absolutely right, man. Did, um, did, was Rick there? I mean, he was his Rick first year was there. 01, right? Rick got there uh, my senior year. Jim Donnan recruited okay. me since my sophomore year. Okay, so I had a great relationship with Georgia, man. Um, my high school has a tradition of pumping out Georgia football players. If you look at every Georgia team that has been successful, we've had at least two or three Tucker players on that team, you know. And um, it was a very hard decision for me because, you know, I've been around that big G all my life. My high school has red and black flags hanging up on it. A lot of high school graduates played at Georgia. Patrick Pass. Uh, who came out before me to play for the New England Patriots, has a few Super Bowl rings. He was one of the top mm-hmm. running backs in the state a couple of years before I came out. Big Georgia recruit, saw his recruiting, read about him. So, man, it was constantly in my face. I was constantly going up to Georgia games for like three years in a row. I had a great relationship with that whole town, with all the coaching staff, with Rodney Gardner. You know, Rodney Gardner was really the glue to uh you know for getting all of those great players to come to georgia so he was the the coach uh, yeah, d-line yeah, coach recruiter, here in tennessee yeah. who got mm-hmm. jamal lewis Deion grant cozy coleman Coles, to Coles, come coleman, yep. in 97 i yep. want to say exactly and um i think he was at tennessee for a year or two and uh-huh. went down to georgia and he was at georgia for about 20 what i say about 17 18 seasons man he's still coaching at arbor now yeah. but um it was a tough decision, dude. Uh, but what really uh, made a big impact on my decision was 2000 uh, was the year that they fired Jim Dunn in the middle of the year. And uh, that after was, he finally beat Tennessee, it was like a man, nine-year I was at losing game, streak. Dude. Yeah, I was at that game. They rushed the field. They rushed the field. Somebody picked me up, <laughs> and you know, of course, the fans knew who I was from just watching my recruitment. The Georgia coaches rubbed that all in me. You know, it, it was crazy. And, uh, you know, that did get some leverage to uh, help me make my decision just a little bit better as far as thinking about picking Georgia. 
But, man, it was just something special about that Tennessee Orange and that visit. And my recruiting coach, Woody McCorvey, and, um, you know, they fired Jim Dunn in the middle of the year. And, like, wow, you know, they're going to clean shop. Do you think if they had if, – if things had gone well, because I don't remember what happened. Obviously, they – you know, they must have started the season well, beating Tennessee. I know Tennessee was kind of rebuilding that year. That was between yeah. T. Martin, Casey Clausen, mm-hmm. when Casey's freshman year. But, like, if 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 they had gotten it rolling under Jim Donnan and finished what? I mean, do you think you might have gone to Georgia? Things have been – I mean, it would definitely be a different conversation, man. Like, you never know what could have happened um, after that. Uh, it, it was It was tough going on recruiting visits knowing that they don't have any coaches, you know. And um, Rodney Gardner and Vince Vince Dooley uh, actually reached out to me because uh, huh. he was the AD at the time. Okay. And he, he made a call to me and said, hey, man, just, you know, just want to let you know that we're thinking about you and, you know, we're going to get this place turned around. I'm looking at some coaches and this and that that can fit your style and blah, 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 blah. You know, and uh, Rodney Gardner, he was the only coach that they left. I mean, that they let stay mm-hmm. because of how powerful he was in recruiting. Yeah, I mean, you can't lose that guy. No. And the whole 2001 signing class, and um, but it definitely uh, on that time you don't know who yeah, Mark Richt is. He's man, just he's an uh, an assistant. He's yeah. the offensive coordinator at Florida, Florida State, State. So you don't really know. I don't really how know it's who gonna, he is. Yeah. But I saw the offense at Florida State, and I'm like, sure. nah, that don't really fit my style of play. Um, you know, what, you weren't going to be mistaken for work done anytime <laughs> soon. <laughs> <laughs> a little bigger, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, I mean, Mark Rick came and met with me, man. But uh, I didn't really know him, you know. I had a great relationship with Dunn for three years, you know. And uh, Mark Rick came in as a coordinator. Uh, I thought that, you know, he had a really good – uh, convo of what he wanted to do and with Georgia and this and that. But uh, it was a tough decision, man, you know, coming from a guy that's, you know, just a coordinator and dealing with Coach Former that just won a national championship. Yeah. A couple, you know, two seasons ago. And, and Jamal Lewis. And Jamal Lewis. You know, the success. Another Atlanta guy, another big back i mean i'm sure yeah. that you really I, I mean did you model yourself after that or is, Man, was that like a, growing up you know yeah. as a kid uh watching jamal everybody in atlanta <clears throat> knew about jamal uh jamal's from atlanta my family's from atlanta my my dad knew some of jamal's family so instantly you know we got that connection uh peerless price lived 15 minutes from me um, I hung out with Peerless, Peerless a few times my junior year, okay. you know. And uh, I just saw – I was like, you're, you're Peerless Price, man. <laughs> I seen him in the gym. And he was like, yeah, you know, talking to me, this and that or whatever. So he kind of, you know, helped me with the recruiting stuff and was selling Tennessee and this and that. So now, you know, I meet Jamal. Um why he got – I think Jamal just got drafted uh, with Baltimore my junior – was my senior year. No, 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 no. Jamal was a rookie my senior year. So, my junior year, Jamal had just got drafted that 2000 mm-hmm. uh, draft. So, that was going into my senior year. Met Jamal at Peerless's house and hung out with those guys all day. 
Yeah. You know, and just heard about Tennessee and this and that. And I was like, man, you know what? <laughs> they convinced you, <laughs> man, huh? Man, I got to go to Rocky Top, man. I got to go hang out. I got to go see it and this and that. But, you know, people don't even know that story, man. Yeah, I hung out with Peerless and Jamal for like a whole afternoon my junior year in high school. Peerless lived right up the street from us, 15 minutes down the road. I didn't even know. That's when Peerless was playing with the Buffalo Bills. And um, just just ran into him in the gym, man. He had on some Tennessee, short, some Tennessee shorts. And, of course, you know, I'm a student of the game. I know about T. Martin's throw and the catch. Yeah. Like, man, you're Peerless Price. What's up, man? And, you know, I told him who I was. And I was getting recruited by Tennessee and showed him some letters and this and that, and bam, start hanging out with those dudes. Pretty cool stuff. So, uh, and uh, the pressure on you to stay in the state of Georgia, I'm, I'm sure, was immense. Uh, Tennessee was uh, such a powerhouse at that time. It's, it might be hard for younger people who might be listening to this to think, but I mean, it's almost reversed to what it is right now, where Georgia's one of the top programs in Tennessee's trying to establish itself back then. I mean, yeah. I don't think Georgia was as far down as we are right now, but, uh, you know, Tennessee, there's no question. I mean, they'd won back-to-back SECs, 97-98, national championship, the Jamal Lewis thing. I mean, how at the end of the day, how hard was it? Was it was a decision, were there any other schools besides Tennessee and Georgia that you were seriously considering? Yeah. Uh, Mississippi State. Okay. Was the first school that uh, really showed me a lot of love before my name really got blown up in the recruiting process. So I stayed loyal to them because they uh, looked at me early uh-huh. you know, before all of this stuff even happened. Kentucky, believe it or not, you know, that was the first letter that I ever got as a ninth grader. Um, so it came down, man. You know, I went down to Mississippi State just to show some loyalty to Jackie Sherrill and to see the program and to meet the team and just seeing what they had to offer. Now, Mississippi State was still, you know, earning some strikes back sure. then. You know, that's when they had the uh, – guy. What's, what's the guy's name? Wayne Madkin was the quarterback. Yeah, uh, Wayne Madkin. Who was uh, the receiver they had? Molds, was that Eric no, no, Molds? No, no, no. He, yeah, Molds was already – he was already okay. in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, I, golly, man. Jackie Sherrill was the head coach and the defensive guy. What's, what's oh, uh, Joe Lee Dunn. His name was really all over the SEC. Um, and, you know, Mississippi State was always playing in that Cotton Bowl against Texas, you know, and playing in some, really quali- in some real quality bowl games. And they're a physical team. They like to pound the football. So I was like, wow, you know, it's, it, it, go down there and just see what it's like. So I took a visit down there. And um, my final three, before I chopped it down to my final two, was Mississippi State, Georgia, and Tennessee. Okay. And, you know, the reason I asked them out, it was, it was you know, Starkville, man, that's just too far. <laughs> that's too country. I went down there. Not a lot going on in Starkville. nothing going on down there. Not much going on in today. Starkville. Not much back in 2000 either. Yeah. And I was like, well, man, I appreciate y'all showing me a lot of love, Coach, but. You know, I um, talked to my parents about it and prayed about it, man. It's going to be Tennessee or Georgia. But, you know, Jackie Sherrill pulled out some strings, man. He, uh, he, well, himself and the whole coaching staff flew down there. And, you know, 
back then, which a lot of people don't know, back then when you were getting recruited, dude, they could. That's when guys were riding on the private jets back then. Mm-hmm. Like they would send a jet out to get you. Yeah, and um, they sent a jet out to come get me um, for a visit, and I told them that I wasn't that I wasn't going to be able to make it. Because it was a high school basketball game. The I jet was already there. The jet was already there. So they were putting Alabama, pressure on there. Like, Jabari, we sent, sent the jet, man. Yeah, Alabama had sent a jet out to come get me, too. I didn't hop on the jet as well. Okay. That's when Coach <laughs> Lance Thompson was recruiting me. Okay. When he was at Alabama. And uh, he was like, man, I got a jet out. I'm burning fuel for you. <laughs> <laughs> this and that, man. Those days are over with. So y'all recruits, you think you're balling on Twitter? <laughs> yeah, like, do y'all don't y'all didn't live the life back then. I mean, you can hop on a jet, man, and be on your visit in thirty, forty minutes, man. It was off the chain back then. So you choose you choose Tennessee, and after uh, after your senior year, and you sign with the Vols, uh, come up to Knoxville. Did Georgia folks? I mean, did they did they give you any grief, or they still showing you love at that part at that point? I mean, yeah. Um, it was silent, you know. I I was still here when I, you know, go home and go to my high school football games and do things like that. Uh, make the wrong decision, blah blah blah. But then when that article came out about me saying that I didn't choose to go to Georgia because the dogs compete for Peach Bowls at Tennessee. We compete for national championships. I don't remember that. What what article was that? What was that? Uh, I did an interview uh-huh. a week before the Georgia game. Man, it was all over the internet. It was, I mean, because Mark Rick even responded to it, and a few of the Georgia players had even responded to it. People have. It was all over message boards back then, and you could probably even Google it now. And just, you know, get some feedback on it. But I was learning about the media and, you know, how they twist words up. Yeah. And it was a learning experience for me because I didn't really say it that way. It was a trick question that was thrown at me by a Tennessee reporter. And they switched it up and made it seem like that was the reason I didn't go to Georgia. You remember who the reporter was? Yeah, I remember the guy's name. Okay. You told me what, what we get real? done here. What, so, real, so they dude? took you kind of out of context. Yeah, man. And, man, that stuff was all over the news. And as soon as we lost to Georgia, you know, that was the history moment when Travis Stevens caught the little screen pass, went down there. Yeah. We thought the game was over. I'm all emotional with Travis. We're crying on the sideline. Then here comes David Green and Veron Haynes in the middle of the end zone. Hobnail boot. Yep. And that next week, man, it was all over the paper and this and that. And they used that story for like three years. Can you imagine if you had had Twitter back then, what they would have been saying to you? You'd have to delete your account, man. It would have been brutal. I can imagine what I would, you know, all the crap that I would be dealing with right now. That's the reason. I reached out to a lot of guys that make a lot of mistakes. I mean, Austin Pope, when he had that fumble last season, yeah. I reached out to him. I was like, bro, do not look on social media. 
Don't listen to this stuff. I had to deal with it. People still bring up that stuff. People still bring up a fumble I had on the goal line versus Georgia and this and that, man. I couldn't imagine being being in your shoes now with Twitter and the access that fans have on you, bro. You're going to make a lot of mistakes, man, in this game. Be level-headed. Forget what happened. Go out next week. Have a great week of practice. Let that motivate you to be successful this week and go out there and kill them this week. But but you can always look on that and how that made you a better football player. So I learned my lesson from the media. And, you know, that was just a rough time here and there. But, you know, we got our revenge against Georgia back um, senior year because, you know, we would always struggle against Georgia, man. And a lot of people was like, well, that's your fault, man. That's your karma for not coming to the state that raised you. Did all did all that, um, I don't want to say hate, but uh, I mean, it's just messing with you. You know, it's yeah. a rivalry. It's just a rivalry. Did, did that um, contribute to you, you're still here in East Tennessee? I mean, did, like, did you say at, at any point, you know what, man, I'll just stay here? Um. Well, you know, I got some flack on Twitter about that. Like two weeks ago, I don't huh. know if, man, some dude, man, I was like, this dude, I, this was almost twenty years ago, and some Georgia fan brought that up. <laughs> SEC football, <laughs> yeah. man, like that dude brought yeah. that up. Like, dude, I am, like, are you still worrying about that twenty years ago? He brought that up, you know, and I um, had a. Retweeted it, and some Tennessee fans went in on him, on his profile pic, Uh-oh. making fun of yeah. him, and everything. But man, I am glad that you know I'm back in Tennessee. It was nothing about my recruitment or the Georgia hate or anything like that. Man, I always wanted to um, enjoy this beautiful city and this state because as a player. I didn't get a chance to experience the things that I'm experiencing now, um, like the beauty of East Tennessee, the, the the lakes, the mountains, the outdoor activities. Growing up in Atlanta, I'm a city boy, man. Yeah. Bright lights, going to the club, going here, going there, nightlife, going to this. Like, we, we don't do stuff like this. You know, we, we don't go to the lake. Mm-hmm. We don't go hiking. You know, we don't do things like that. And I was in a point, you know, in my life where I had grown out of that and I wanted to uh, get back in school and wanted to be around people that really knew me and get back to my resources like Tennessee football. You know, people know me, but they don't know me like Vol Nation know me. You know, so let me move my back up here. Let me get back in school and let me figure out what else God has in store for me after my football career is over. Let's go back to uh, – so you get to Tennessee, and it's mm-hmm. uh, you're in class of 2001. You and Cedric Houston. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, two stud running backs in that class of 2001. Uh, Tennessee had a great team in 01. What was it like going from, you know, you're this uh, star recruit that everybody wants, and now you got to go and you're fighting for your spot on a really talented team? Man, it's a wake-up call, and it's a wake-up call that I use to help a lot of my athletes now. 
is that, man, I don't care what you rank, how much praise you get coming out of high school. As soon as you step on campus, man, you're just another dude with a number. That is it. I had to earn everything. Um, but that football team was a very special football team. I still think to this day that team was by far, you know, one of the top 10 football teams in UT history. Um, I think we would have held our own if we would have made it to a national championship game playing against that Miami team. You know, I know that Miami team is has been voted the, the number one team ever in college football. But I think we would have gave Miami some problems. Um, I think you would have played them tighter than Nebraska man, we did. Man, definitely, dude. We would have played them way more tighter than Nebraska. I think it would have been a good game. I think talent-wise, Miami was super loaded. <coughs> I think Miami would have beat us, but they would have been in a damn four-quarter fight. And everybody talks about the talent that they had. But look at the talent that we had, man. Um, you're talking about a young Jason Witten. You're talking about a young Casey Clawson. A D-line with Hainsworth, John Henderson. You got Will Overstreet in. Mm-hmm. You got Eddie Moore, Keon Whiteside, Dominique Stevenson. You got three NFL linebackers. Uh, you got Julian Battle, who's all SEC. Guy from JUCO. Tall, long, safety. Reminded a lot of people of Deion Grant that can run, that can cover. Got Jabari Greer, a young yeah. Jabari Greer. Played 10, 12 years in the league. Um, you had Teddy Gaines at the other corner. Andre Lott when he was healthy. Uh, man, you look at that. On offense, you had Dante Stallworth, Kelly Washington, who, you know, Playboy All-American that year. Mm-hmm. Dante was a first-rounder that year. Man, our offensive line was ridiculous. And Travis Stevens, Will Bartholomew, Troy, me and said, I mean, look at all of that going into the Miami game, you know, because it was supposed to be Tennessee, Miami. We would have held our own, man, and we would have gave Miami a crazy fight for four quarters. I mean, we definitely were the only team in college football that can go toe-to-toe with those boys as far as that NFL talent that they had versus our NFL talent. So, and fans, of course, we'll, we'll look back to the 2001 SEC championship against LSU. Oh, Lord have mercy. The reason – hey, sorry to bring it up, but uh, <laughs> while we're on it, what, what happened? Why, why – you know, you, you played uh, them. They're 9-3 and three that year. You knock out um, Rohan Davey and LeBrandon Tofield in the first – starting quarterback, starting running back out – up about 10 points at halftime. <laughs> I mean, people are making their reservations for Pasadena. It's uh, going to the Rose Bowl. With all that talk, well, the momentum we had after we beat Florida, mm-hmm. you know, the 9-11 game, and, um, you know, the, the 9-11 game that they pushed back. Yeah. And um, so if you talk about the SEC, the, the SEC championship, we got to talk about Florida, you know. Um, just the momentum we had of, of how we just, you know, beat Florida. Travis Stevens, his magical game. I got my opportunities to, you know, score two touchdowns as well as a backup for him. And uh, everything was just going in our favor, man. 
of how we destroyed LSU during a regular season. Kelly Washington, you know, broke a record that game and just was – I mean, he was out there just torturing that secondary. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was looking like a, a Hall of Famer versus, like, high school kids. And, you know, Vol Nation was excited, man. We were excited, you know. I mean, what what, what do you think is going to happen? Man, we just killed you. A couple, you know, a couple weeks ago, now we're going to kill you again. But, you know, plus everything was going in our favor. But I think that game there really showed you how much of a great coach Nick Saban was and how powerful Nick Saban was of getting his staff ready to play and get revenge in a game of that magnitude. And even when when we took away – some of their biggest weapons, you know, to have guys straight off the bench come in and just keep up that tempo and to not get starstruck on that big stage and to play level-headed and to not go into, you know, to not get all, you know, get all involved in what the crowd is doing and the rivalry and what the game is at state of playing for, man, just shows you, how much of a great coach he was. And that right there really um, showed you what Saban is now. Um, Because everything was working, man. You know, we were clicking. We had a few drop balls here and there. Uh, I'm still upset a little bit, you know, from having a great game versus Florida. Well, I, you know, when Travis got hurt, after that long run, they put me in from the 15, and I punched it in to not get in a carry at all. But, you know, that's what happens in the SEC, man. Yeah. Sometimes your game plan or what you practice to do, you just can't execute it because the game is flowing in a different direction. But, um, I mean, you never know what could happen, man, if if we just would have found a way to finish that game. Uh, but – I think all around, we got We should have stepped up and made more plays, and we could have had a better overall performance as far as on the play calling. Um, it's a team, mm-hmm. coaches and players, and uh, we just dropped the ball, man. We dropped the ball at the biggest stage that we have seen since 1998, and I thought I was getting a ring my freshman year. I was like, man – this Tennessee thing has worked out competing <laughs> for a national yeah. championship as a true freshman. I mean, I, I guess a uh, Georgia guy, you probably would have traded the loss yeah. to Georgia for I a – I mean, I was going to rub uh, all of that in their faces. But <laughs> to get an opportunity to play in two uh, magical games like that back-to-back, you know, even though we didn't win the SEC championship game, but – you know, to play in that Florida game and what it stood for um, with everything that had happened in this country with 9-11, um, you know, that game was, you know, it was it was something special. Then to play the following week for SEC championship as a true freshman man um, was just, you know, some of my greatest memories of my life. Yeah, I mean, it was a roller coaster of emotions yeah, from the high of, of beating Florida to – to losing that game, y'all came back and, and waxed a pretty good Michigan team in the mm-hmm. Citrus Bowl. 
that year. What are some other, you know, you, you, were, you had four years at, at UT. What are some other highlights? You, you played a lot of football for the Vols. Oh, uh, man. You know, we've, like I said, man, four years, played a lot of football. My first three years were my most memorable. My senior year, man, had a lot of hamstring issues. I uh, didn't really get a chance to do my thing my senior year. Uh, set out a lot of games. But uh, 2001 Florida, 2002 Arkansas. I was SEC Player of the Week that game. Uh, about 160 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, really helped anchor that game until – that fifth overtime, what was it, five or six? Yeah, overtime? is that the uh, Jason uh, Witten? Yeah, Clawson had a yeah. broken collarbone or something. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. Game too. Golly. Yeah. So uh, Cedric Houston was out that game. So man, I was the main guy. Uh, but I really had a great game that game, man, and uh, really fought hard with Arkansas all those overtimes. And you know, Jason Witten made that clutch play at the end. Uh, but that game was a really special game for me. Uh, Florida. 2003, when um, everybody got hurt, pounded rock for a whole drive to really score the game, clinching touchdown to help us beat Florida. Uh, just, you know, running through Gators, just just hopping over them. Three and one yeah. against Florida. I mean, Three that's got to be – and, you know, people – the Alabama rivalry is always kind of defined Tennessee as far as yeah. the rivalries go. But, I mean, Florida in that time, and, and maybe even still right now, I mean, that was such a big rivalry. Yeah. Florida had Tennessee's number. I mean, to to walk out of there, what, you're 3-1 and one against Florida. What were, mm-hmm. Where were you against Bama? Did I think they lose one, or was it 2-2? Two and two or? Let's see. We beat them my freshman year, lost my sophomore year. Beat them three. I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm 3-1 and one versus yeah. Bama, too. Um, so those are you're right, nice man. record in rivalry games. I mean, you're right. Three and one versus the, the Gators. Was Florida the biggest like for for you the players as a whole? I know Georgia was probably special yeah. for you, but like for the team as a whole, was Florida, Florida. the game? That was because the Florida was you know growing up in Georgia. I thought I thought it was Tennessee, Georgia, but Florida learning about the the rival, the history, the disrespect. Even though we don't <laughs> like Georgia. Georgia doesn't like us, but we still are respectful to one another um, at the end of the game, you know, some type of way because, you know, we're so close to one another. Um, That respect's not there against Florida? Florida, man, it is – I mean, it is just straight savage mode, man. We were talking about this last week, me and a few guys, is just Florida, man (laughs) – they talk so much trash. The fans, <laughs> the players, it is a hate. I mean, those pals, I mean, you won't believe what goes on under the pals. The nut checking, the <laughs> eyeball grabbing, oh, no. the spitting, the racial slurs. Really? This and that, man. Casey Clawson, they was calling Casey Clawson all type of crap. I was I was begging Casey to use a racial slur on the Florida players. I was like, it's probably Dude. good he didn't take that advice, Jabari. I was like, please say it. <laughs> but so much stuff goes on on that field, and you used anything that you can to try to get them out of their game plan 
and to get them, you know, in a zone where we can do something to make some type of statement or to get a drive going on. But, I mean, it is just disrespectful, man. They were calling Coach Former names. (laughs) I mean, you got the players talking to Coach Former, calling him this, calling him that. It's just a mess on Just right to his face, going up to the sideline. Yeah, just, hey, Phil, what you going to do next, man? Huh? You ain't got nobody that can block me. Y'all suck. This. So, so what are you saying uh, when when you're going on 03, the big drive, and you're shoving it right down their throat? I mean, are you? Oh yeah, man. I went to the crowd. Well, you know, I was talking cash money, trash too. You know, just 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 talking crazy. But on that drive, I was just. I mean, I was in the zone, man. You know, it was hot. I just felt like God, man, give me the. Ability to make something happen. I we got to score. We got to win this game. I got to man up. I cannot be tackled. I was just, you know, that Travis Stevens mode that he had in 2001. Man, you're just feeling it. Where you just feel unstoppable, you know. And I scored that game, clinching touchdown. Did the little high step dance in the end. I went to the bench and I looked at the Florida fans and I did the. This yeah, you I, got the gator chomp on them. And I took some ice. <laughs> They're throwing stuff at you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cussing you. Man, I took some ice out of the cooler and just oh. started throwing it. Oh, did you? <laughs> okay. You got your revenge. I got my revenge, and I was talking t- to these college kids. They were shooting me the bird, and I was talking trash to them again. And, man, like anything I can find that they threw at me, yeah. I would throw it back at them and just try to piss them off. Because you don't realize, man, you're Florida and at, at the swamp, man. Those fans are literally like more than arm length away from you. So they, I mean, they have access to you, and they get on you, beer throwing. I mean, you name it, man. There, it, it it is ridiculous. It is the most hostile place that I ever played in. But when you win, they are as quiet. Yeah, as a church mouse man, and with the sickest look on their faces, and it's the most beautiful thing that you ever see. While we celebrate, they just look there and just look disappointed and crying like we let these country rednecks <laughs> come all the way to our city and beat us. And that's what we got to do, man. We got to do that this year. Oh. This year is gonna be the first year that I'll be going to the swamp. Since I did my dance in the end zone, so you're going. I'm going. I gotta go, man. I gotta experience it again. Uh, and I'm thinking about putting together an event uh, that weekend. Me and Travis Stevens and some other guys. Uh, but I gotta go back. You know, I gotta get that feeling back again. And just, um, I'm excited to see what we're gonna do yeah. on the field. I mean, if you look at the Florida game and us, I mean, we're pretty much the same football team. Um, except for probably one or two big players. Other than that, we go into that game uh, with a shot. You know, so it's not like we don't have a shot. It's just we don't find a way to win. You know, and we make a lot of mistakes. Yeah. What? What? So uh, was Florida that your favorite road trip? Florida was my favorite road trip of uh, that Miami game. In 03. Oh, yeah. yeah. That but was they, another big one. They had won like what thirty something games in a row at the yep. Orange Bowl. Yep. That was a big one. You know, we went in realistically thinking that 
we can beat these boys. We don't care about how much NFL talent y'all had. And, you know, then they were just as loaded, you know, playing against I mean, the greatest safety of our generation, Sean Taylor. You know, he wasn't a big factor that game. That was the whole Kellen Winslow, I'm a soldier yeah. type thing and this and that. And, um, you know, we went down there, Casey, again. You know, we were talking about Casey the other day. Man, Casey is just so underrated. Like, people just don't give him the respect that he needs. Casey was an animal. I mean, one of the best football players that I played with at UT. Fearless, competitor, just a straight savage in the huddle, composed everybody, and talked as much trash to a defense that they talked to him. I yeah. mean, he was a quarterback, white boy from California. Because you got to be quick-witted. <laughs> yeah, too. you got to be quick-witted. And, you know, he played – like, he was a th- – I told him, like, he was a thug playing quarterback. Casey Clawson was. <laughs> Casey so, Clawson, don't let yeah. the Iceman, the, 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 the Spikes – and all of that stuff fool you, man. Casey was a thug on the field, man, and in the huddle. Like, and that's the way that he played, you know. That edge game. Yeah, uh, off the yeah. field, just as nice as, you know, he can be great family guy, you know, you know, poster boy. But on the field, ask anybody that played with Casey. He was <laughs> – he, he was a fierce competitor, yeah, huh? Yeah, man. He was fierce, man. And, you know, I got to get him back down here. Uh, we were talking about this at the Legends camp. It was like, man, we got to get Casey down here at least one weekend. But he's Is he coaching a team out there now? He's, he's- coaching. Um, one of my good buddies who coaches at Eastern Washington, he recruits Casey's high school. And he gave me Casey's number. He said, Casey told you to call him, man. So, I'm going I'm to call Casey. This summer, check in on them. All right. And I got to get Casey to come back. And, and if I get him back here to work at camp, I'm going to call you. You can do, do an interview. Oh, I would love to sit down with the Iceman. <laughs> um, I mean, he's he's definitely a fan favorite. 2-0 yeah, uh, yeah. in the swamp like yeah. you. And, uh, you know, he uh, went down there and drained to the swamp. Tennessee fans love some Casey Clawson. Who was the guy that you played with at Tennessee – that you did not want to get hit by in practice in a, in a scrimmage situation. I guess they probably didn't let you hit too much in regular practice, but you guys had some some defenders that could lay the lumber back then. Mm. My freshman year, John Henderson. Oh, yeah, <laughs> he'd get you. I think John and Albert were two guys that I was afraid of, like seriously, just off the field and on the field. Um, I mean, it was – I mean, can you imagine me in 17, 18, playing high school football, then your first scrimmage, you're with the threes and the scout team going against the first team defense, and you see John Henderson and Albert Hainsworth <laughs> on the D-line. <laughs> That's a welcome to college football moment, welcome, huh? Welcome to the SEC college football. Yeah, but John and Albert were uh, the two guys that I were afraid of. Like, I would always try to talk to them, check in. Hey, man, you having a good day? Give them a high five. Are you, you good? Need anything? 
Hello, Mr. <laughs> Henderson. <laughs> yeah, anytime they needed yeah. something, hey, I'm, I'm volunteering to get it. So that was it. Uh, everybody else, you know, we can hold our own against everybody else. Uh, an, another guy, uh, Eddie Moore, could bring the lumber um, also. Oh, he had that hit on uh, yeah, Kelvin yeah. Kite Kelvin down Kite. in the swamp. Kelvin Kite's a friend of mine. Okay. As well from Atlanta, so I always bring that up to him. Uh, like, <laughs> that's a hit that he, uh, Eddie Moore would have been he might have been kicked out of college football oh, yeah. for that today I mean yeah. that would have been, been automatic ejection suspended yeah. for the next game yeah he would have been he would have been banned uh, for that hit but John and Albert you know two guys that I was like golly man I do not want to get a one-on-one. I don't want them to have a one-on-one shot with me. Please, offensive line, block. <laughs> Just get a hand, hand hey, in his face, please, something. Yeah, somebody, uh, hold them, do what you got to do. Hold them, do, do something, man. That's I mean, because, funny. you know, as a running back, once you get past the first level, you know, once you get in the second level, usually guys our size, I mean, you're going to get a whole bunch of knee shots, ankle shots. Guys don't want to go head up with you, so – but those big D linemen, they don't give a damn, man. They, I mean, they're trying to take your head off. Some of those linebackers. So, that's pretty much it, man. The best player that I played with at UT, hands down, was Aaron Sears. Oh, yeah. Hands down. Best football player ever seen um, at UT that I played with. Started as a true freshman on the offensive true line. True freshman. If you – all young offensive linemen, if you want to see a clinic, what he did to David Pollock as a true freshman. Was that the 04 game? 03. Or 03, okay. Aaron Sears could play any position on the offensive line and start anywhere on the offensive line. They moved him from center, left guard, right guard, left tackle, right tackle. Anywhere they needed him to play, he could play. And he was undersized, man. Mm -hmm. You know, he was an inside guy. So, 6'3", 6'2 and a half, 275, 285. Cock strong, mean, great footwork. Uh, just, man, I've, I've never seen nothing like it. Uh, just a guy that can come in. And just be able to transition into any place on the offensive line, and you don't have to worry about his man getting to the quarterback. He had uh, did he have some health issues or, yeah. or is, is he, he, um, is you he know, okay? He, well, here's the problem. Well, here's the update with Aaron Sears. Uh, well, you know, he uh, had a lot of concussions that he didn't warned the team about he was that type of football mm -hmm. player he had that 1970 1960 mentality you know I'm, you got to carry me off the field you know it was just a little it's, it's, I'm just a little woozy man I'm okay I'm just gonna take some plays off and um believe it or not he uh got into a car wreck or fell off a motorcycle mm. and uh, injured his head so he mm. had to, you know he was a rookie starting with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and working his way to becoming, I was, I mean, I, we knew he was going to be a Pro Bowl football player. And um, something, you know, tragic happened like that. 
where well he had uh you know so many concussions and so much head trauma that he ended up getting really ill and he had to move in with his parents and um like he went crazy and um last time i saw him was 2010 and he had to check himself in a mental hospital mm. and so he's still there until this day uh we have tried to reach out to d- different doctors to give us updates uh we, we do have a teammate that uh checks up with him every three months and with the families to see how he's doing some days is still the same some days he's looking better uh but he said that he is improving a little bit but uh such a tragic story man to happen to a great teammate and a great football player with a promising career and to this day you know still one of my friends i've got to at least go see him give him a hug last time i uh saw him was 2010 and he was uh trying to figure out who i was yeah so, so, I mean, he just had too yeah. too many head issues. Yeah, too many head issues, man. Man, that's, that's, it's a brutal, brutal sport, man. Did you have any concussions when Thank you played? Thank God I had – well, back then, you know, that's the thing, man. We wasn't – It wasn't as talked like, about yeah, as it is I now. I mean, we wasn't educated like that as what we needed to. I mean, it's not just Tennessee. It's sure. everybody. Yeah. Uh, when you play this game, man – Got your bell rung. Get you, back in there. Do you get your bell rung? You take two or three plays off, and you get back in there. And that's the way that we were bred to play the game. And with the side effects of so many guys that have played this game over the last 25 years, that's when they had to go in deeper and see what's going on. Now, these aren't just uh, conditions that guys are just normally having. There's something going on with their brains. Mm-hmm. So, uh, thank God – that I was able to walk away uh, with, with not a lot of head trauma. You know, I had my bell rung a, f- a few times. No serious knee issues. I did tear my MCL my freshman year during the spring. So I was only out about three months. But other than that, uh, no ACL tears, no broken ankles, just your normal uh, bruises and sprains and and things like that but no ligament damage no head trauma um i do have typical football players uh body issues as you get older man creaky like you know i go to the chiropractor and see about my back i do have some like i do have a little bit of arthritis in my back um but that's it. Other than that, man, I am blessed. You're lucky. I was able to walk away from the game uh, close to 100%. And now I can still go play with my kids. I can drive around well. I'm doing camps. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm coaching kids. I'm working with kids. So I can still do a tackle drill. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, and I, I wouldn't want to get tackled by you, man. <laughs> You're still a load. What, uh, so you, you played uh, through 04. I got to yeah. play another championship game in 04. You said you were a little bit banged up that yeah. year. Hamstring issues, obviously tough for running back to deal with. Uh, you, you played for Buffalo for a minute in the yeah, NFL? Yeah, man. Um, I got invited to uh, camp. You know, I had a, a third or fourth round grade. 
as far as getting drafted, but my senior year didn't go the way that I wanted it to go. Um, around that time, that's when a lot of the power backs were kind of disappearing. Okay. You know, football was changing. Football was going into a more finesse uh, spread attack, you know, not your traditional eye backfield yeah. and smash mouth and getting downhill type stuff. And I knew that if I wanted to uh, get an opportunity to play the next level, that I had to be more of a fullback. And, um, you know, the Buffalo Bills signed me as a free agent. But when I went to camp, man, I wasn't healthy. I was still only about 75%. So they kept me around for about six months, took another physical. Then passed the physical, went and worked out with the Saints. The first year they uh, signed Sean Payton. They kept me on board for a couple weeks. And I um, ended up signing another guy that had more experience than me. So I floated around uh, just with two teams, man, just trying to use that as a way to get in the door and get myself back healthy. But, mm -hmm. I, mean, no, I mean, when the NFL team sign you, man, and if you're wounded and you got a red flag against your name, man, there's really nothing they can do. But thank you for your services. We found somebody else that's healthy, yeah. that can go. It's a business, yeah, man. It's, it's a not business. that scholarship. That's It is a business. So yeah. I understood the nature of the business, and I was like, yeah, man, just thank you for getting an opportunity. If I was healthy and took better care of my body or just had the knowledge that I had now about being a bigger guy, taking stretching more seriously, getting my massages, getting my, you know, my, my, my treatment, my therapy, my, you know, everything, just all the tools that I needed to be successful as far as taking care of my body after football games. I think I probably would have played at least five or six years and, um, you know, made a few plays here and there. Sure. But I'm thankful that I at least got to uh, go to camp, go to some practices, dress out for a few preseason games, and, you know, decided in 2007 that I had it enough of bouncing around, getting cut, signed, cut, yeah. signed, cut, signed. My oldest son was just born, and I was living in a different city away from him. Couldn't see him like I wanted to. And, you know, just the love of the game kind of fell downhill a little bit because I like, it's a business now. Mm -hmm. You know, there's no friends in here. It ain't no loyalty. It ain't. Uh, there's a lot of it, pressure, too, yeah, I think. A lot for, of pressure. You know, it's, it's like, okay, your hamstring's bothering you. Not my problem. Yeah. We got we yeah. got uh, we're playing the Saints this weekend. Like yeah. we need a running back out there. And yeah, it can you know they're not so. as concerned for your physical well being. But yeah. you got out you got out in uh, in pretty good shape. A lot better than a yeah. lot of running backs end up. Yeah. So uh, you're blessed in that regard. Thankful man. I'm I'm very thankful that I got a chance to experience just a little taste of the uh, highs of the pro level and um, build a lot of great relationships with guys at that level and um, helping kids get to that level now. So uh, very thankful, man. You cannot complain. Football <clears throat> has opened up a lot of great doors in my life. And um, Tennessee from Georgia to um, things that I'm doing now, man, have, have, have all came from football. What did uh, so when you you decided to hang it up and that had to be a hard decision? Uh, what 
you're you're back in East Tennessee now, uh, coaching football and helping helping folks manage the recruiting process and passing on your expertise, all the things you've learned. What are, what were the ten years before that? I know you bounced around. You did some high school coaching and uh, some business opportunities and and yeah. things like that. Yeah, well, I uh, moved back here in 2010, man. I ended up getting a coaching job with the help of Coach Farmer. He went to church with the athletic director, and uh, he didn't even know I was back. They told him I was back, so I used Coach Farmer's name to help, you know, get me the job mm-hmm. opportunities, which we, you know, that's what guys do around sure. here. You know, when you get Tennessee on your resume and a guy like Coach Farmer, use your resources, man. So, I always wanted to coach, you know, and uh, wanted to get back up here and got blessed with that opportunity. I was a head coach and assistant athletic director for three years at the middle school level in um, West Knoxville. And after that, I ended up coaching some high school ball for a year and um, just for half a year with with another high school. Uh, But during those times, man, um, I took a job with Nike um, doing their their training camps during the offseason. Nike would pay for your travel. They would pay you to run a camp. And they were looking for a lot of former professional athletes and college guys to help run their camps all over the southeast. So I went online and saw that opportunity, man, and just worked my way up, did a lot of traveling, and just fell in love with the camp business and fell in love with the skill development of athletes and um, helping athletes reach their max potential and educating parents on the way that you should raise and parent young athletes because I live their lifestyle. I know what they're going to go through. So I just decided that to make it, you know, I just decided to make that a future business. And in 2014, man, I created a program called Tennessee Training Camps. Uh, And I would travel all over the state doing uh, little small camps in small cities. I mean, I was going to Jellicoe, Cookville, Sparta, uh, Riceville, you name it, man. I went to all the small cities, and I would bring the small cities, you know, top-notch coaches and former football players that have been very successful so we can educate small city kids and give them the blueprint of what it takes to be a great player and doing it the right way because a lot of these small city kids don't get an opportunity to go to a D1 or go to this high-end training facility sure. or meet former – I mean, or meet guys that have, you know, had a lot of success doing the same thing that they're doing. So I reached out to a lot of guys that were living in the area that played at Tennessee or guys that played in the NFL that they want to work some camps with me. And business kind of blew up since then. And, um, you know, last year – we created the Legends of Tennessee. Um, I wanted to get kids trained the right way by X balls. Mm-hmm. I was tired. I'm just. I'm. I'm tired of seeing homegrown talent leave the state. Oh. you know. I'm tired of seeing guys leave our backyard going to Clemson, Florida State, Alabama, you name it, because these kids aren't educated on Tennessee history, on the football. So. What we should do, we should go to these cities. We should go to Nashville. We should go to Knoxville. We should go to Memphis. We should go to Bristol. Hit those areas up with guys that have had some type of success at Tennessee. Educate the players on the history of Tennessee. 
what you guys should be doing in the future. And if you want to get to this level one day or maybe run out that stadium one day, these are the skills and the drills and the knowledge that you need to have academically and in the community to win in life and to win at this game. And these are the standards of what it takes to be a Tennessee football player. And it has been phenomenal, man. Um, we've had over 700 kids in our camps in two years. And every year we want to make it bigger and better. And I appreciate your help, you know, letting us use your platform sure. to get more promo. And my goal was you know, when I started doing this stuff is to have the number one camp in Tennessee. And uh, we're on our way to doing that, man. Well, it's cool that uh, you've been able to kind of, you know, just, just fall into that. It's, yeah. uh, you know, a, a pretty cool way to make a living. You get to stay connected to the game. And I, I was thinking it is a little bit ironic that, you know, you're a Georgia guy who left to come to Tennessee, and now you're trying to help <laughs> convince the Tennessee guys not to leave anymore. Yeah, it's, I mean, I'm passionate about my school. You know, Tennessee has shaped me more than ever than – you know, my years at Georgia because I became a man at Tennessee. You know, I have have children that live in Tennessee. You know, I mean, this has been my home as a student athlete and, you know, and, and a father. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I'm obligated to this community and to this state to help, you know, <coughs> shape the lives of young people. And I'm very connected to a lot of student athletes because – I lived in their shoes. Yeah. And it's a lot of crazy stuff that goes on. It's a lot of temptation. It's a lot of uh, distractions. social media stuff and yeah. a lot of distractions going on in the world. And we need guys to be more, you know, to be better mentors, you know, to help uplift kids, to make impact on kids, and to help, you know, put them in the right direction so they can become successful. And a lot of times the parents don't know what's going on man a lot of these parents you know aren't tennessee fans um a lot of these kids didn't grow up in tennessee mm -hmm. you know knoxville has changed economically since you know i've been here uh over the last nine years and so we get a lot of kids well i've never been a tennessee fan i'm from california yeah but they never been around tennessee players like they never been around former players they never been to tennessee games they never been to a tennessee affiliated camp well the the programs hit a a rough spot too yeah. i mean it's not like it was when when you were playing here yeah and uh i guess just kind of wrapping up on that note i know the the program's important to you and uh, a lot of your former teammates and stuff like that we're, we're taping this in July of 2019, and uh, we, we were watching a little SEC media days yeah. before uh, we got started here. Um, Coach Pruitt and those guys are down there today. Just, what, are your, what are your thoughts here going into year two of, of Coach Pruitt, and how close are we to getting this thing back where we all want it? Um, I like Coach Pruitt, man. I can't really say anything um, bad about him in year two. Uh the first year, I think he did a lot of good things that we didn't necessarily see with Butch Jones. You see a coach that is going to make changes during the game, uh, make coaching changes, make the right coaches changes, letting his coaches coach. Um, I felt that we 
did a lot better job of finishing football games. We just got to be more consistent. And um, we've got to stay healthy. Um, I don't know if that's all on the football side, but I know a lot of it comes from the inconsistency of the strength coaches that we've had and a lot of players just not reaching out their max potential in the weight room. If you look at guys from my era and kids now, you know, we didn't really have a lot of health problems like these kids at Tennessee. Tennessee now, I've never seen guys have to medically retire. Yeah. In two or three years, yeah. or even the one kid that came in, just came in and already has to retire. Like something is going on. But we, I think we have a great strength coach. Coach Fitz has been doing a great job, man. Uh, his kids are actually in my football program. Okay. So, Coach Fitz, I talk to him a lot. Uh, give Coach Fitz some time. Give Pruitt some time. I think year three, year four is when we can sit back and evaluate them. But um, Pruitt is going to – I mean, I think with the people that we had in line for this job, I think he was the best candidate for the job. Um, we just got to recruit, man. You know, we got to players. Get, yeah, we got to get – Pruitt players, we got to get guys that can come in and make plays immediately, guys that we don't have to develop two or three years, guys have already got a certain swagger about them, guys that have won at the high school level, guys that have been coached up right at the high school level. And it's an easy transition for them to come in, learn the defense, learn the offense, step on the field, and get – the answers that we're looking for. That is the difference between my era and the last couple seasons of Tennessee football. Coach Former recruited guys that could come in and make plays now, even from junior college or guys that, hey, we ain't going to be – I mean, we may redshirt you, but we recruited you to play. Mm-hmm. You know, thank Bush Jones, we had too many guys that were not developed, you know, and not – coach right at the high school level and they kind of slid through the cracks and when we got them here it took three years for them just to get ready to play in the SEC yeah you know and you can't win like that I mean you got to get guys that can play and you got to out recruit people because everybody is not going to want to come to Tennessee like you mentioned man when you're not winning people don't want to go to school there so I don't care how much money we spend on that stadium or in that locker room and making all these changes on campus here and there, you know, kids still not going to come because, you know, it's, we we haven't shown that we can, you know, finish our football games yeah. or compete in quality bowl games and, number one, get guys drafted. So until we change that, then we're going to start seeing a lot of smiles on some people's faces at the end of these ball games, and your reaction shows are going to be a lot better. Oh, we man. We might have a nervous breakdown. It'll be, it'll be, <laughs> yeah, you, you must have been watching during the Florida one yeah, last I year. I saw a few. So, saw um, a few. yeah, I mean, it, we we got to, it'll definitely be better for, for, for my business if, mm-hmm. if we can get this program rolling again. Jabari, uh, appreciate you coming by, man. It's great to. Uh, hear your story and see that you're doing well with the kids and everything and giving back to the community Thank and you. uh, uh, you're still a young man. So you got, uh, I'm, I'm sure a lot more coaching left in you. 
Yeah, man, I'm just getting started. I got a lot of things that I'll be doing now. You know, now is kind of like my laid back time. I got a few more camps coming up, coaching youth football right now. Um, getting ready for the Tennessee football season. So I'll be going to a few games, man, and just really supporting those balls, man, the best way that I can. Going to Gainesville this year for the first time. So I'm here. If anytime you need me for anything, just let me know, man. I, but it's, it's been fun doing this podcast. Thanks, man. Appreciate your time. I appreciate you. All right, folks. There you have it. Jabari Davis, former Tennessee running back. Real fun guy to talk to, and you'll hear him periodically on my radio show, The Drive. If you haven't heard that, you need to check it out. We're on weekdays from 3 to 6 on Fox Sports Knoxville. You can listen online anywhere on the free Fan Run radio app. Just search Fan Run wherever you get your apps and uh, download that. Check us out. We got a podcast of the show that's available every day. You can find that and listen to whenever. Hope you enjoyed the conversation. As always, you can send me feedback via a voice message right now from wherever you're listening. All you got to do is tap the link in my show notes. And as always, if you really love the podcast, you can throw a little something extra in the offering plate at anchor.fm. Just had a, a new person sign up for that last week. Greatly appreciate it. Again, just go to anchor.fm and for as little as I believe $2.99 a month, you can you can support this uh, all the way up to $9.99 a month. And that certainly helps invest in some new podcast equipment and, and uh, hopefully producing more of these in the future. So not sure when the next episode is going to drop, but keep your eyes and ears peeled. Be sure to follow me on Twitter and Facebook for periodic updates and other fun. All right, until next time, this is Russell Smith signing off. Y'all be good.